Have you or anyone you know ever been emotionally destroyed by a book? Have you ever got the feels for a fictional character? Have you ever been hungover after an all-night book binge? Then pull up a seat, pour yourself a glass, and hang on to your candle. This is Drinking Ink. Hey friends, Brittany here. Before we jump into the episode, I just wanted to drop in with a note on our content. While books are for everyone, this podcast was created for adult audiences only. We advise listener and reader discretion as we will likely delve into difficult and sometimes triggering content often seen in literature such as graphic depictions of violence, frank portrayals of sexuality, discussion of mental illness, and existential struggle. And on occasion, some downright filthy language. It might be a lot to take in, so if you need a breather, take a break, or come back later. We'll be here for you. Welcome back to Drinking Ink. This week's episode is part two of our Diversify Your Bookshelves episode that launched last week. We sat down with audiobook narrator, sensitivity reader, veteran, and all-around amazing human Ruthie Bowles to talk about what diversity in fiction looks like for good, bad, or worse, and how we as readers can understand, learn, and grow from conversations like these. We hope you enjoy this episode. There's a there's a segment of people from what I've observed. You've got your people who are like, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to do it badly, whatever. You have people who are like, I want to do it, but I'm worried about it. And I do not begrudge these people their fear, right? But, and this, and again, my lived experience, I'm in the United States, the continental United States, and Throughout the history of the United States in terms of civil rights, uh, one of the greatest hurdles that we've had, uh, so my background, I'm like, my mom is white, but my dad is black and Puerto Rican, Um, but I was mostly like, it was an interesting blend in terms of how I was raised with who. So speaking from the black side of things, uh, besides, you know, the very demonstrable you know, white supremacists. One of the other great hurdles that Black people have faced in terms of civil rights in this country have been white liberals, which are like, wait, what? But it's white liberals who are well-meaning, but still missing the point, right? Mm. And so that's, and, and they're always the ones like, so during COVID, they were like, now's not the time to protest because of COVID. Be like, but we just watched somebody like, die die on t- like recorded slowly like we just watched it and you keep telling but the pit like don't but it's never gonna be a good time and martin luther king jr said that too like he's like there's never gonna be a convenient time for us to protest and get equal and equitable treatment in a country right but i think part of it is if again referring back to this identity piece if i Part of my identity is that I'm an ally, Black Lives Matter and Trans Lives Matter, LGBTQI+, Rainbow, let's go to the parade. I'm a white liberal. That is my identity, right? And then I'm like, yeah, I want to do diversity in books. But what if I write the book and then I get a sensitivity read or not, but somebody tells me there's something racist in there or homophobic in there. What's that going to do to my identity? And these aren't conscious things that people are thinking. These are unaffirmed fears, the unknown that they don't actually acknowledge. And so their absolute worst nightmare that they don't even consciously acknowledge is that they will write it and there will be something 
Am I allowed to curse? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. I have been cursed this whole time because oh, I didn't girl. ask you before we sit recording. We have content warning. You curse away. Okay. All right. So yeah, so they're worried that they're going to write it and then find out either through a sensitivity reader, an alpha reader, beta reader, which would actually be a best case scenario, right? Or public that they wrote something in there that was fucked up that they didn't even realize was fucked up because if they knew, they wouldn't have written it. So they are afraid of what they don't know, but they're also afraid to find out what they don't know for fear of what it might mean about their identity. Mm. And again, that's all very like meta stuff. Most people Mm -hmm. are not self-aware enough to acknowledge that. But I think that's a huge driving factor for these. And, and again, I, I'm not, I don't make fun of the fear. I don't begrudge the fear, right? Mm-hmm. Because courage can only happen in the presence of fear. And even if that's self-courage, you have the courage to at least plot it out and then ask somebody what they think, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But can you handle somebody coming back and saying, hey, actually... Right. Example, Halloween. How many witches' costumes are gonna we're gonna see on the streets? But guess what? The the Nate, the pointy hat and stuff, that's anti-Semitic. Oh, the no, yeah. Yeah, I remember the, the nose, that. but also the pointy hat. The pointy I was not aware hat of the pointy is yeah. hat. I knew about the yeah. nose. But but the thing is, is like, can you handle, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what if you wrote that story and you wrote the nose and the hat and everything? Could you handle somebody saying, hey, did you know that that's actually really anti-Semitic? Could you handle, hey, I wrote this thing, not this person is saying I'm anti-Semitic. Because some of these things are so deeply embedded in the culture in the United States and like the West, right? Mm -hmm. That it Mm -hmm. kind of makes sense that you don't know. But once you know, right? Once you know better, you do better. Mm -hmm. But can you handle not knowing? Can you handle Ruthie sensitivity reading your book? And I'd be like, hey, so- you have this character who's black and you say that he ran his fingers through her hair. I tell you right now, my husband <laughs> does not. My husband rubs the top of my hair, right? Because yeah. guess what curly haired people don't do? We don't, we don't let people brush, run nope. their fingers. Nope. I don't even brush my no, hair. No, 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 no. You don't my touch hair. my hair. Like, right? unless there's water involved, don't touch it. Right, like you're, you're, you're stroking it. You're not running your fingers through it, right? Unless I flat ironed it, then you can run your fingers you through it. You would tap like, my hair. Right. But can you handle even those types of things? Can you handle, Mm -hmm. hey, like you made this black character, you made their whole character arc and their character development revolving around racism. And you're a white person and you wrote Mm -hmm. that. So this would be you profiting potentially off of black trauma or, you know, you wrote a Mexican character and you wrote how they were crossing the border or whatever. Like you are you are profiting off of collective traumas that that don't belong to communities that you're in. Can you handle somebody telling you that? Yeah. And I think people sometimes take it personally, but it's like, it's not personally against you as a person. It's simply, they're trying to help you by saying, hey, you made a mistake here. I'm not saying you're a bad person because you made this mistake. I'm saying, how about I help you fix this mistake so that you can do better and present things properly um because like for me I I started a new job a couple months ago and I remember the the one thing that stuck out to me that they said is don't be afraid to make mistakes because mistakes are how you learn and so if you're not willing to be able to make mistakes at all how are you ever going to learn if you you call yourself this this ally but and you but you're not willing to to even attempt to be more diverse in your writing um then how do you learn how do you how do you learn to write things properly in a way that's actually going to 
accurately present and represent someone's experience. There's that. I think, I think one of the darker things about TikTok and BookTok in particular is this idea of cancel culture, which I know we all know doesn't exist. Um, but the idea that, well, I like, if I get called out, I'm going to, you know, there's that apology or double down. Like no one is going to be mad at you for saying, oh, I made a mistake. I'm going to fix it. As opposed to, I didn't make a mistake at all. Like it's, you're taking it wrong. You're taking it out of context. You're, you're misunderstanding what I wrote. I know there was the big conversation around Kate Stewart. I've never read any of Kate Stewart's books, so I couldn't, I can't comment on, I think the book was Drive was one of the books that was brought up in conversation. Um, and, you know, the, the idea that, you know, there were people that were still like, I don't care, read what, I think what bothers me the most about conversations, like the dark side of book talk, like, I guess if we're going to talk about it is that, you know, the read what you want to read, like, don't tell me what to read, don't tell me what to write type of conversations where, you know, someone says, well, hey, maybe don't write a book that marginalizes people with mental health or has inaccurate representation of um, uh, a mental disease or inaccurate representation of people of color uh, because that hurts people, right? Like we're not mm -hmm. telling you to tell you to th that you're a bad person because you did this because maybe you didn't know. We can give you the benefit of the doubt that you were ignorant, but you're not now. So what are you going to do about it? And Plus then, the thing is like you I, write what you want to write. You have the freedom to write what you want to write. What you don't have freedom from is consequences. And so if those yes. consequences come a knocking, right? Like, and you had warnings, right? Like fuck around, find out, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Like, yep. like you, we tried to tell you and then you didn't listen. Right. Like it's, and like the whole thing with, and so, and that note, that note about like, because, so I did a TikTok video on this, but like, and, oh, I'm not censored by the TikTok algorithms. So now I can say no, what I not wanted at all. to say. I used emojis, <laughs> right? But so, so a lot of these problematic books, right? I have seen the screenshots of the problems. I have gotten detailed synopses of the plots, right? But like, I haven't read them. And so this idea that like, because I haven't read it, unless it's incredibly subtle, right? Just because you haven't read it doesn't mean that there's not a comment. Like if I know the book drive, there were let me grow jokes in that book, right? We had slurs in that book. Like, why do I have to read the entire book to have an opinion that's valid? Like, oh, absolutely. I, right. And like, so what I put in emojis on the thing, like I, I don't have to be stabbed or shot to know that it hurts. I can see it happen to someone else and be like, oh, that's obviously painful. Let's not. Right. But like I and one of the other examples I use was like if one of if, if I have black friends who tell me every time they go to this restaurant, they get discriminated against is the only way that I can even talk about that if I go to the restaurant and also get discriminated against or is what they've told me enough. Right. Like they videotaped it. Like there's a there's a video of it, like, do I have to go to the restaurant and be discriminated against myself in order to have a valid opinion on this? I don't no, think so. I don't think so. I, I said that specifically because I had like only seen the snippets of that one particular book, but then I know that there was like a secondary conversation where like people had been going through her back catalog 
Yeah, and I did not. I was a part the, of that. I didn't see all the receipts <laughs> on that end. So that's why I didn't really involve myself in that conversation. I just kind of stood up for the people that were talking about drive specifically. Um, but yeah, but, there were other books and that was, that was also part of the problem is there were other things yeah. and another TikTok note that comes up is like, oh, people make it big and now people find stuff. It's like, no, people make it big and their books start to get outside of their immediate group their immediate facebook group their immediate set mm -hmm. of super fans right and it gets to those more right well it it's gets those deeper. casual people right like let's say i read uh she wrote that other series that book talk love flock what was flock the yeah ravenhood the ravenhood series. series yeah i haven't read it but yeah she wrote the ravenhood series right let's say i read ravenhood and loved it and i'm like let me see what else she's got right like i'm not a kate stewart Ban, but I liked Raven. Let me see what else she's got. And now I end up in Drive. Now I've now I've read the Blue Line, which is another one that had harmful um depictions of black people and police officers and like police. Yeah, oh it was bad. Um and but let's say I get into that. That happened because of Ravenhood, because Ravenhood took off. And I'm just this casual reader who picked up a book. Was I trying to find something? No, I read part of I, I wanted to read her back catalog because. I enjoyed these books over here, mm -hmm. right? So that is how those things happen. People take off and more and different types of people read their books. So now you've got eyes on these books that aren't necessarily the demographic that you started out with. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. how these conversations end up happening. And it's so frustrating yeah. to hear people say it. Like, like what? Like why? On, like nobody is paying me to sit here on Kindle Unlimited and find books to shit on. Like nobody no, is exactly. paying me for that. Like why <laughs> would I pay me? And you could right? pay me enough, right? I, no, right? I read and for I pleasure. I don't want to be wounded by my reading content. Right? Thank you very much. And I think I think what ends up happening sometimes why there there are things that go unnoticed is because I mean this I'm just I'm big, making an assumption about things, but it's like. You write some, like they've written a book. Nobody said anything because their typical demographic doesn't see a problem because they're not affected by these things. And then because no one said anything about it the first time, they write another book and then it has another issue in there. But because nobody from that demographic is reading it, no one's picking up the problem. And then all of a sudden you have something like what happened with Drive, it like blows up. And then people are like, okay, well, because this happened, they're like, Typically, it doesn't just appear out of nowhere. There's got to be, or maybe not there has to be, but there usually is a history of things that are going on, maybe in other works they've done. So people go back and they're like, oh, like, look at here, guys. Like, look at this. Because again, this is now a different demographic that doesn't typically read her books and they're noticing these problems, you know? And that's why they're coming to light more often because people are saying, hey, um, this is wrong. This need like I think get you didn't do it on purpose, but it needs to change. And I think the way that certain authors react to it very like defensively, that is the biggest issue I think people have is that instead of saying, Hey, I messed up, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. How can I fix it? They get up and say, Oh, like, no, 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 like stop, stop getting mad at me. Like, I didn't do anything wrong when in fact they they have. And if they had been more graceful about the reaction people wouldn't be having the problem with them that they are. That's one yeah. thing. I think when it comes to pointing out something harmful in literature, the author's reaction is going to determine, for me personally, is going to determine my overall reaction. Like, but 
also from recent events the ones that have been called out i have yet to see an author who kind of gracefully is like i did something wrong my bad let me fix this they're just like well see what happened was no don't i will tell you that those people exist and they t- and the reason why you don't hear about them is because they take it so well mm-hmm. so one of the books that i narrated that just went out last week tentacles and teeth by rowan merrick right um there was a joke in the book right multiple people had read the book before it went out blah blah blah. Uh, there was a joke in the book that somebody messaged her about and was like hey for me this was not cool right now i read it um when it came out and i i knew exactly which joke that that person was talking about i personally didn't have a problem with it but no group is a monolith she took it out. So she, this is, she she did her post. She's like, hey, so I'm pulling it down. It was a couple of days after it released too. So this was right when it would have been the most expensive for her to take it down. She made a statement, took down the book, changed that part, republished it. And people were like, oh, okay. But because what she could have done is exactly what we were talking about. The double down, like, wait, you don't understand. Like this is this, blah, blah, blah. But she didn't. And that's why nobody heard about it. Is because we don't that blow TikTok. up these people. See, see, so you saw I, I, saw, I follow her. I it's saw that TikTok now that she mentioned it, and I've read that book. I don't know if I read it before, like the before she took it out or after, but I do recall seeing that TikTok because I follow her. I followed the whole build up to the release for it, but I do remember seeing that she did. She kind of was like, "Oh, this is my bad." So I do recall that from her. Or, yeah, or, but, but she, they take it really well. And then it's just, and I've had, I had another author who was like, hey, like they talked to me and then they put their statement up like, hey, there's some stuff in the book. I'm pulling it down. Like it needs to be mm-hmm. rewritten. And guess what? That person was not canceled. They just took, they just took ownership of it. Nobody even brought it up to that person. They were just like, hey, I know it's there. I can't unknow it. So I'm going to fix it. I'm going to just let y'all know. And I apologize if anybody was harmed by it, but she was not canceled because- exactly. She took ownership of it. So we don't necessarily hear about it. And every single client I've had for sensitivity reading, I give, I tell, hey, blah, blah, blah. And they take it so well. And I know it has to be uncomfortable sometimes because again, that's not how you view yourself. You don't view yourself as this person who would produce something harmful or problematic. Uh And so it can be uncomfortable, but I'm always very careful to like, hey, so this part of the book, like it has nothing to do with you. Like you wrote it, but we're talking about this part of the book and how we can fix it or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's the big thing is we don't always hear about it because these people aren't blown up because people aren't mad. And TikTok really likes it when you're mad. Oh, of course. TikTok loves the drama. Right. When, like when you have fans that will support what like an author has done that's problematic. Like I don't remember specifically what it was the, the author, but you remember that book, The Pawn and the Puppet? Oh, uh, we are Pawn and the Muppet? Into, yeah, we're not getting yeah. into uh, anyway. There was this book. That flaming dumpster fire. And and the some of the fans of this author, they justify or they tried to say, oh, there's nothing wrong with what this author did. And that's often a big part of why, even when you try and, you know, speak up against something that's problematic that an author has done and they get defensive, often why they still will have people supporting them is because they have this giant fan base that doesn't see any problem with what they're doing. 
which is yeah the fan base that's made up of their typical demographic right and the fan base that has made this author a part of their personality Mm -hmm. and if if the book is problematic then somehow i'm problematic and i can't be problematic because i'm me exactly no no everyone can be problematic at some point in their life doesn't matter who you are precisely why i feel like cancel culture doesn't exist because those that take the accountability and take that critical feedback saying like hey uh actually you messed up and they're like oh you're right i did i'll fix it because they they don't get that attention that canceled like it's it usually when we're seeing when we're seeing cancel culture it's usually people that are doubling down and saying actually Mm, misinterpreted what i said you're taking it out of context and i think that leads in really well to my next question because you've mentioned being a sensitivity reader a few times for for someone who's wanting to get into writing or be more diverse in in their writing in terms of writing more diverse characters what are your kind of the top three things that you maybe you see when you're sensitivity reading that are like kind of common problems that's that new writers maybe can avoid um so i would say probably the top one is not including like actual problematic stuff um is othering so if you are a white writer and the only people who get skin tone descriptions are your non-white characters you have othered them as Mm. well as kind of painted your white characters with a very broad brush because we know all people come in all different types of colors for as many shades as there are of black person there are many shades of white people right um and so that is probably one of the most common ones like not including like let's say everything else in the book is fine but your non-white characters have been othered right um that's probably one of the top ones um another one would be would be caricatures like stereotypes kind of fueling a character um and the thing about stereotypes is that they may have like a kernel of truth Right. And you also have to consider the perspective from which stereotypes were developed. Right. So when you consider, for example, the stereotype of like the loud black woman or like the loud Latina woman. Right. Loud according to whom. Right. Like when you've got these cultures that are very musical, lots of drums and, you know, like it's very eh, like you're shouting down the street, like loud according to whom right? The stereotype is developed from one culture looking at another culture, the dominant culture looking at a minority culture, at least, you know, within the borders that we're, that I'm in. And that's where the stereotype comes from. Mm-hmm. But it is very easy to write and make that stereotype obvious, mm-hmm. right? So I, so as a, as a person of color, I'm reading it and I know that it's coming from this place of stereotype versus you know, how somebody describes me, either I'm loud or they come up with other nicer ways <laughs> to describe me, right? But you can kind of tell the vantage point from which that stereotype is coming from. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I would feel like those are probably some of the top things, uh, those two. And then maybe like a third thing would be like 
it's almost like stereotypes, but it's just like a very shallow, it's almost like blackface like for books. Tokenism best friend kind of. Well, it's like you have your one black character and you stuff all the AAVE possible into their speech, right? It's like this black facing of a character. Um and it does tie into the stereotypes, but it's the way where you're almost like constantly signaling like this person is black and all the rest of us talk this way. And this black person over here because they're black. Oh, you mean like Diego like and Zodiac Academy? I, mean, I didn't read Zodiac Academy, <laughs> but probably yes. Uh, every like changing time he opens the way that his they... mouth, and I've only read the first book. Every time yeah. he opens his mouth, it's like, oh, Chica, or, you know, like, oh, like they constantly using Latine use. slang or like Spanish to like drive home the point that this character yeah. is a Latine. And I was kind of like, mm, yeah, we're not, we're not going to go yeah. any further with this. And but so, but to, to go deeper than that, you have, you'd actually have to take some time exploring the cultures that you're looking to draw into your book. And so is there additional work involved then? And not just from paying a sensitivity reader, but is there additional work involved when you're looking to add lived experiences that are not your own to your books? The answer is in fact, yes. However, it's no more additional work than you would have done compared to things like world building and planning out your plot and stuff like that. So is it more work? Yes. But is it harder work than what you did to build the world in the first place? And I said this in a video, but like, you've got people out here dead up planning out whole goddamn languages, right? And then they'd be like, but Black people, Hispanic, Asian people, people with disabilities, oh, queer people, that's, that's hard. That's hard, But I'm gonna be yeah. over here with my full language with its complex grammar rules over here, J.R.R. Tolkien-level Elvish stuff. George R. R. Martin writing Valyrian. Yeah. Like Klingon. Yeah. Like I developed my version of Klingon for my book, but including Asian people is hard. Like, like it's just, it, it, it's crazy. Like, I don't know how many times I've seen in literature because my I'm part Italian of like people talking about oh like the loud Italian people or like having like oh like Italians are always eating it's like no false please do your reason like so so in my own way I do understand what you're saying and it and I understand how frustrating it can be in my own in my own sense because I mean Italians can sometimes be loud yes I will give you that but it doesn't mean that our entire personality is being the loud one you know, there's so much more to people than just this singular stereotype that you place them into. And, and I feel like you take away the ability to really dive into that character as a person when you just place this, this label on them. Yes, yes. And that's what I mean. It's, it's the whole person concept. And I actually, and so I guess I'll add on a bonus one. The other thing is when you have your characters, marginalized characters from any community right making that thing that makes them marginalized like the whole point of their story arc so whether it's because you know it's a gay man or um you know a, an amputee or a black person like that is like the sum total of their personality somehow and it, it mm -hmm. just creates a very shallow character when in reality you can write happy people of all types or people like if I have a struggle like if you're writing Ruthie as a character do, does it have to be that story where ugh, somebody people always assume I'm like working at the places I go to eat right like no don't include that but what you could include is 
that time I was pregnant and got in a car accident and it was very scary. Why? Because that could have happened to any pregnant woman. Exactly. Getting in a car accident while you're pregnant was my first pregnancy. So scary, right? Like that's why you've got your characters who lose parents, who lose siblings, who have these tragic backstories, but their tragic backstories are not rooted in the thing that already makes them marginalized, whether it's in a fantasy world or, or the real world. It is rooted in universal things that could happen to any of us because all of the bad things in my life haven't happened because I'm a woman or because I'm BIPOC or whatever. A lot of those things have just happened because that's life. Yeah. Write that. Exactly. You don't need to borrow mm -hmm. from someone else's culture or like the, the surface. Like you don't need to borrow someone else's trauma to make that character make um, your book better. Like, right. It doesn't have to depend on that. It and feels I, like you're taking your readers to the zoo. Yeah. That's how it feels to me is you're like, oh, I wrote a character. She's Mexican. You're going to love this. Like, here we go. Like, let's go try on or let's go peek at, you know, Mexican trauma or whatever. That's how it feels. It feels like you're taking everybody, putting them on the bus and we're going on a field trip. And it's just, it's, it's not a, like, you're not treating those characters. Even when authors make them like very dominant secondary characters, even main characters, they're not treating them as whole people. And, and it yeah. shows. And that, I think that's, that's the thing is if that's how it's going to be done, stick writing with what you know. Right. Yeah. But if you're willing to do the work, there's a lot of people out here willing to support. You don't all like sensitivity readers are one way, but you can do work exchanges right? You can, Hey, like I have an author. Okay. So this author, let's say, so for me, like, okay, this author is a trans person and I have a character that I want to write who's trans and they have a character, um, that they want to write who's, who's black or who was in the army because I was, I'm a veteran and we do a swap, right? Like there's yeah. a lot of ways to make that happen in a very effective manner. Um, no matter what your budget is, if it's if you feel like you can't do it right now, then don't do it right now. You know, but like there's there's a lot that goes into it, but a lot of it is internal. People talk about all the external stuff they have to do, but you got to do the work internal here first. Yeah, it's a lot of self-awareness, raising your own self-awareness and looking inwards at your own biases, at the things that you unconsciously or subconsciously perceive about specific cultures and, and marginalized groups. And that is probably the hardest part of diversifying not only your bookshelf, but your writing and being a better ally in general is, is that self-awareness piece, which I think is kind of the key almost, it seems. It is. It is. So Besides the social psychology degree, I'm in my last year, but I'm certified in two different like emotional intelligence, like coaching styles. And it really is. If, if you're going to, you have to be self-aware enough to admit that you have implicit biases, because guess what? We all have them, right? So you have to be self-aware enough to say, I have implicit biases. You have to be comfortable enough with yourself to recognize that they don't devalue you as a human being, but you could 
impinge on the impinge on the value of some of another human being. Not that you could literally tear them down, but but you could do harm through your work if you don't take the time to kind of unravel those and recognize how implicit biases form. They've been forming since you started taking in information. Yeah. Since you started taking in and processing information, your biases started forming right then. And it wasn't until you reached your 20s or 30s, 40s, 50s, that you were conscious of the fact that there were things being built in your mind that you were unaware of how they were built. You are unaware of those shapes. You are unaware of the icebergs in your own mind. And you got to be willing to do the dive for that or you're going to end up like the Titanic. It's like the nature versus nurture debate because uh, I also love psychology and stuff like that. And I took some a couple courses in university. But yeah, it's like nature versus nurture. Um, and the fact that, yeah, you do have biases whether you realize it or not um and that's why they tell you like anytime you have like you should never go to see a therapist that's that knows you or like knows a family member because they're going to see you in a different light than if you go to a therapist that you don't know they're not going to have a bias but yeah it's we all have it without realizing it we have to be conscious of those things or try to be more conscious of uh what we're thinking about in life the first step is just acknowledging that we have biases, I think. And if everyone Ooh. can do that, then the rest will slowly come. Uh, because I think that, at least for myself, has been the biggest step for myself in terms of understanding, yeah, I have these biases and I need to start deconstructing what those look like so that I can not have those biases anymore or work towards um, not seeing the from that perspective i think that's again like i said self-awareness is just it's the it's the thing that will unlock everything <laughs> but i really appreciate the time you've taken to talk to us ruthie i know this is emotional labor and i want to thank you for that because um oftentimes people of color are asked to come and tell their stories and, and, and talk about difficult things that they've experienced. And I, I appreciate that you are willing to have these kinds of conversations. It's part of the reason I really love your content because you were always able to really approach it from a place of respect for yourself and for other communities. And even for the people that are maybe not so nice, um, which is very gracious of you because you don't have to do that. So I just thank you so much for being here and for talking with us. And if you want, you are welcome to go ahead and tell everyone where they can find you on socials if you want to share. And uh, if you want even to toss in maybe a couple of your favorite uh, diverse book recs, because we always like to throw in a few book recs on our uh, awesome. page. Okay, so you can find me on TikTok and Instagram at ruthie.narrates.books. Um, my Instagram is less active, but I feel like I should put more stuff on there because I got a client this week because of the stuff they saw on Instagram. Woo! Yeah, so that's always really exciting. Um, so yeah, so those are the two places mostly where you can find me. I spend most of my time on TikTok though. So even if you just want to check out the content, um, definitely go there. And um, I appreciate you noting the emotional labor. I'm hoping that, you know, if even one person hears what we talked about here today, um, that it'll give them the courage to at least try. Um, you know, I, I want... 
I want to see, I, I, I want to read more books that look like the world that I see all the time. And I want to read books where it feels like if I stepped into the room in the book, it wouldn't be unusual. It wouldn't be a surprise. Um, and it, it means a lot as much as we talk about the problematic authors or the problems that people may or may not experience when they look at writing diversely. It means so much for the people who have tried and have put in the effort to do a good job. It means a lot to read it and, and feel safe in a book. Um, although some of these authors be doing tons of emotional damage, but it's like fictional emotional <laughs> damage. So that part is fine. I mean, is it, um, is it even fiction if it's not emotional damage? I'm not like, sure. Your brain can't um, tell the difference though. So I mean, to your brain, it really it's all can't. emotional difference. Like, yeah. Like, it's true. It's true. It really can't. And that's why you might find yourself like your heart rate and things going up because you have a physiological response to the things that you're playing out in your head. Right. Um, and that's why if Beautiful. you're in a bad mood and you remember something good, like you really visualize a memory of something where you were happy, it can actually cause a reversal of your mood. Um, but in terms of diverse book recs, let's see. So I mentioned The Name Bear by Natalia Hernandez. She's got a lot of representation in this book. We're talking LGBTQIA plus representation. Um, we've got our indigenous, our Latina indigenous folks, Afro-Latinas, like we've got, and just beautiful culture woven through all the way throughout the book. I know YA is not necessarily everybody's cup of tea, but maybe try it reading from that perspective of yourself in your teens when you were the target audience. Um, that's how I read all the YA books I read is like, when I was the target audience, how would have this, how would this, bleh, how would this have made me feel? And like, it was like tearing, like it was just so beautiful. Um, let's see. She's going to hate that I did this, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> between wrath and mercy by Jess Wisecup, uh, this, that isn't how she markets it in terms of like diverse reads but it is nonetheless. And it is a book that has body rep in it. We've got BIPOC people, we've got LGBTQIA plus people. Um, the main character is a mom over the age of 30 who does not look perfect anymore. I love and she's it. Got, and, and she feels a particular way about that, you know, a little bit, but she's like, she's kind of, she's insecure sometimes. And other times she's like, screw you, uh, which who we all him? love. Right. Yeah. We all love that. Um, and so I definitely, I loved this because this was exactly what I needed being a mom in her thirties. I used to do bodybuilding and uh, let me tell you, having kids, it just don't, don't fit. Don't look the same way that it used to, you know what I mean? So this book was just like, oh my goodness. Like we got to see not the mom on the side. Mom is the main character. Mom has the adventure. Mom gets the spice, you know what I'm saying? Like, Ooh. hey. So yeah, definitely that. Um, and then the last one I'll tell y'all is A Dance with Fire by Alira Ceres. So the main character, like the, the world is diverse, hugely diverse because this is book two and this is a black woman. <laughs> on the cover a sort of a sort of ice so a dance with fire is where the series starts characters are complex they're they're deep they're flawed they're powerful 
but they're flawed. And that's, I love that about the books. Even the mate, the two love it, the love interests in this book, the, the female main character and the mass main character, they don't like each other. It's definitely enemies to lovers, but you find out in book two that she's not quite done with them yet. So I, I loved how she wove them together. And like these two heroines, completely different women, right? So it's not like you're getting like a, a redo of the first book when you start the second book. She's a completely different character than this one. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And, and it's just, and there's just so much depth and the, you know, of course, read the triggers. This is dark fantasy, but you know, we've, we're experiencing humans basically committing genocide against the Fae. Hmm. But that's what I loved about this. These books though, is anybody is Fae. It's like reversal. <laughs> yeah. Anybody is Fae, right? Like it, it, there's not just white people are Fae. Like it's anybody is Fae in these books like the front cover of the third book which i don't have in paperback it's a white woman on that front cover so like anybody could be fey right just oh, like anybody could be that. human but it's humans versus fey and and so just amazing amazing diverse reads mm -hmm. um all three of those uh highly recommend mm -hmm. um and that's the first step to writing diversely you should be reading diversely find really good examples of the work that you would like to produce mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's like step one for any author who wants to write diversely, you need to start reading diversely. That's Get good examples advice. of what that looks like. Absolutely. Again, thank you so much, Ruthie, for dropping in and hanging out with us and for taking the time to have this conversation with us. And I cannot wait to see what you get up to next. Yay. <laughs> thank nice you again so much you. for having me. You oh. as well. Thank you. Have a good night, guys. We'll talk next week. Want more from the bookish bitches? Follow us on TikTok at Drinking Ink Podcast for updates on our newest episodes, releases, and behind-the-scenes chaos, or send us an email at drinkinginkpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Amazon, Google, Apple, and Spotify to get more bookish podcast fixes. You can also follow our hosts on their personal accounts located in the show notes, along with full transcriptions of this episode and more. Stay thirsty, friends.